0: Carnivorous couch It happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler-free podcast where this week we are doing Casino, from 1995, starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, as well as Sharon Stone? Yeah, Sharon Stone. All right, mm-hmm. we got with us Brady, as always, hello. and Grendo Calrissian. hello. And uh, Brady's going to fire us off here right now with a little uh, plot synopsis. And stop rattling those goddamn papers so much.
1: Well, I thought it would be like a shtick, you know, like a, like a Saturday Night Live. No, okay. I think it was funny the first time, but now... Now it's just getting irritating. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so the synopsis of Casino is essentially in the 1970s. The mafia uh, operating out of the Midwest, out of Kansas City, starts to get its first toehold into Las Vegas, where obviously there's a lot of money to be made and so it recruits this character played by Robert De Niro named Sam, nicknamed Ace Rothstein, and he's not a member of the Mafia in any way. He's not a criminal element. What he is is a very, very accomplished gambler, and so they recruit him to operate the Tangiers, which is essentially a Mafia-run casino, and will give the Mafia a chance to make all of the money that there is to be made in Las Vegas. And what it really is is, well, in my opinion, It's a passion play, a sort of rise and fall, Garden of Eden-type story about this one time where the mafia really did have a lot of strength in Las Vegas. And and by the way, I think a lot of the romantic notions we have of Vegas come from this era, this sort of Frank Sinatra, ring-a-ding-ding, very uh, suave element. And the movie takes pains to point out that after this, You know, Las Vegas might have had less mafia influence, but it also got a lot more kitschy. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to that. Uh, But, I mean, what we're looking for right now is we open with... We open with the... We cut to 1983, 10 years after the main events of the movie. Or rather, it's a story that takes 10 years to play out, a tragedy that takes 10 years to play out. And the first thing we see is that this casino owner, played by Robert De Niro, gets into his car and the car explodes. And the only thing we're told in those initial moments is he's talking about his marriage and he says that, you know, anything good in order to last, in order to be worthwhile, has to have trust. So one of the defining things we learn about this character, first and foremost, is that it's not worth it to him. He can have all the power and money in the world. It's not worth it to him unless he can have it no strings attached with absolute emotional human honesty. And then we see him get blown up. And so the rest of the movie is the playing out of first the rise of this Tangiers Casino, and then its eventual fall, its eventual takedown by government agents, uh, the eventual you know, criminal charges against the mafia and against everyone who was a key player in this. And it all happens because everyone makes prideful decisions that endanger the operation, and eventually it topples under its own weight, which is a very – I'd say that's a, a storyline that's very – Uh, comfortable to Scorsese. Yeah.
0: Well, you've got the beginning. You've got the end. But in the middle, he also gets married to a hooker who kind of perks his interest inside the thing. And uh, it's very clear that him and... And when I say him, I'm talking about Sam.
1: Yeah, Sam Rothstein. Robert De Niro. Ace
0: Rothstein, right? Yes, played by Robert De Niro. Uh, He's very tight with his friend Nicky, who's played by Joe Pesci. Right. And uh, so they're good friends. They've known each other for... Uh, well, between twenty-five and thirty-five years going on, kind of like me and Brady. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well yeah. which of us is the murderous bastard? I think you,
2: Brady, for sure. Thank you. Oh, you're All welcome. right, go on,
0: Rob. So, so anyway, uh, it's very clear to us throughout the plot of the movie as it unfolds that they're very close. Um, he gets married to the hooker chick, who's played by Sharon Stone.
1: Well, she's not a hooker. I think she's more of a like a hustler.
0: She's. Well, he says, "Once a hooker, always a hooker." At, I... Towards the end.
2: She was a hustler, though. Yes. I mean, at the end, like, I mean, hookers, uh, way to she say picks something. up
0: johns nice and then gambles person, but...
2: with them.
1: Yeah, but... I, th- I think she's the type of character to occasionally then... go the hooker route, but you know, she might also just spend a night with them. But at the end of the day, it's all about fleecing people out of their money.
0: All right, so who she is is kind of up for debate. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. A uh, little bit of I think escort. Later, yeah. Escort's yeah, a good. There you go. Escort. She yeah. she has johns and blah I really blah,
2: blah. agree with that word though. Myself.
0: Well, anyway, we'll get to that. So, anyway, he, he marries her because he's intrigued by her because of the way she carries herself. Uh, he's a very good friend with Nick. Nick is kind of a violent sort of mobster type. He's a Jewy sort of awesome at uh, gambling, <laughs> blah, blah, blah uh, kind of guy. And so he's able to run the business very well, and the mobsters like that a lot. Um, and um, basically everything goes tits up. Because of the woman, uh, I guess is kind of the, the way. The really, goes. I mean,
1: now that I hadn't seen. This okay, in not a while, necessarily.
0: That's an interpretation. But anyway, uh, the marriage deteriorates. His life deteriorates. His stranglehold on his business deteriorates, and eventually, everybody gets killed, except for him.
2: A uh, classic mobster movie. The, the way they yeah, a
0: lot of people him. get
1: killed. Well, Sharon Stone kills herself.
0: Alright, so we got the plot synopsis out of the way. I think that's fairly... Are we missing something, Grandy?
2: I think it's really important to say that this movie is based on real-life
1: events. Yeah, no, that is important to say. Yeah, this is a true story. Say that again, Grandy. This
2: movie is based on real-life events. Damn startin'.
0: Darn tootin'. The damn straight it is. Exactly. I don't yeah. know how much of it is true, you never really know with those sort of things. I have. think
1: what is based on true stray. is that the mafia once had a lot of sway in Las Vegas, and that they, you know, because of government crackdowns, truly did lose that grip. I yeah. mean, pe- people are right when they think of this as a corollary to Goodfellas, because both are about beginning with idealistic times in a certain kind of organized crime world and following a sort of de-evolution, a kind of a fall. And really that's the most important word with this movie to me is the fall. And I'm talking about, you know, the Bible, Genesis, Paradise Lost, essentially. All right, I think that's a great way
0: to end the plot synopsis and move on to our next segment, which is called Hey,
2: hey, hey, how do we like it?
0: So, Grandy, how did you like it? Four and a half stars. So you liked it less than you liked The Long Goodbye
2: last week? Whoa, how many stars? Did it? Five. Out of No, that was a five out of ten. There five was no ten. stars involved with that rating. Sorry. I thought it was five stars out yeah, of ten Yeah, it's a different stars. system.
0: Okay, four and a half stars out of how many stars?
2: Uh, five. I mean... Oh, okay, so you really liked this ex- movie. Yeah, I thought right. it was very so to,
0: excellent. Okay, so to quantify it compared to last week, you gave it nine out of ten which is doubling the four. Yeah, it's
2: it's the B I gave last week compared to the A half a plus this week.
0: That's 90% is A minus.
2: I didn't say 90, sir. I said 4.5 out of (laughs) 5, which is the same thing as 9 out of 10, bitch. Different rating system, sir. I see.
0: So basically the lower half of the rating system just doesn't count regardless of the rating system. That what you're saying? <laughs> like five stars, it's like oh no, it's all right. It you know it's like a good C plus, and you're like well, okay, it's fifty percent. I don't uh, more know. More like
2: it sounds like you're convoluting it. And...
0: I think your rating system is convoluted. <laughs> I don't think I'm
2: convoluting. Ah uh, well, uh, rating is a very relative thing. Uh, so it'd be half a plus. Quite right, you are. Or a half a plus this time around.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe the educational system is just a bad way to compare it because. You know, maybe they were messed up with all that. Like 50%, that's a good 50%. You don't get credit for any of that. It's all an F to them. I'm really confused, because last week, Randy went like
0: 5. I'm like, okay, out of what? And he was like 10. I was like, oh. And this week, he's like 4.5. I'm like, okay, out of 10. And he's like, no, 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 that's out of 5.
2: Yeah, I mentioned stars this week. Last time, I had a number rating system. But
0: I mentioned stars.
2: Last week, you definitely did. In relation to And he thought you'd like them, and obviously you don't give a shit. Thus, I gave you stars this week, sir.
0: He gave you stars. How many points of stars would you give this movie? Like, being that there's five points in each star.
2: Like I said at the beginning, four and a half
0: out of five. All right, so I'll just correlate that to nine out of ten, like the five out of ten last week.
2: Yes, perfect.
0: Good, I'm glad we can agree. Brady? Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I, I used to have this movie pretty close to the A range. I I am starting to see more of its flaws, but, you know, we can't take anything for granted, I don't think. And so Scorsese's technique is so visceral, and he's so good at enveloping us in this world, that essentially the problems with this movie are that it's, it's very long. It might be longer than it needs to be. And, you know, Rob, I think, pointed this out earlier. We were talking about Goodfellas, which is pretty long itself. And Goodfellas goes by in a flash. This one, you definitely feel the length, I think. So, you know, I, I do see flaws in it, and there's a lot of voiceover. Uh, and it's it's not quite as snappy a voiceover as Goodfellas either. Goodfellas' voiceover is often very humorous, really adds something. There's a lot of explaining. I'm
0: nostalgic for the past. Yeah. It's, it's being told as a point... From the future. This one, uh, it's got a voiceover, but it's not necessarily being told from the future. I mean, it is, obviously, the voiceover is quote unquote recorded in the future, but like he's very, it's framing it very much like in the moment that he's in at the time that he's talking about
1: it. Yeah, and I also noticed, you know, from time to time, if not entirely skip, it certainly was used to bypass events in a way that maybe was too pat. You know, I think we didn't get nearly enough uh, visually and cinema- cinematically. So what's um, your grade? Of, oh, hold on. Of Joe Pesci's rise, because Pesci uh, basically comes in the back door. De Niro's character, Rothstein, is and the Mafia's guy. I want to come. <laughs> <laughs> the, come on, the, Brady.
2: Uh, it's not a description <laughs> of your likes and like, dislikes. All a right. Actually, sh- no. Uh, it kind of is.
1: Let me just give a little context. The, the Rothstein I'm just character not allowed is. allowed to the,
0: fuck with him during the plot synopsis in the I know. So, so now, now, I, now, I'm now you're going doubly.
1: <laughs> when I try to justify my grade. Uh, you know, so, okay, quick thing. The De Niro character, Rothstein, is the Mafia's guy, even though he's not Mafia. And so he's the guy who runs the casino for them. The Pesci character essentially comes in the back door. When he first comes to Vegas, he's their muscle, but he causes a lot of trouble for them because he just completely steamrolls over everyone. But as the movie goes on, through his enterprising, brutal criminality, Pesci eventually comes to power. And I thought there wasn't enough show in that. There was a lot of telling us that, you know, Nikki, this character Nikki, eventually came to take over the mafia. So for that reason, you know, I I think I might lower it down to a a B B plus, A minus. I
0: thought it was an A minus when you first graded it. Well, see, this is why it's important for me to talk myself through these things. (laughs) It was an A minus before you started it. Yeah, no, and so now it's a B plus, somewhere in between a B plus and an A minus. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 right down the middle. Yeah, it's like an eighty nine point five.
1: Yeah, it's an eighty nine. Eighty
0: nine point five. Scorsese's
1: technique is fantastic. Uh, I like, in some ways, I like how broad the story is, but that's also its criticism. It's a very broad Greek kind of rise and fall story, and it's very very long. Considering
0: uh, I view Goodfellows as an A, like absolute a masterpiece. A. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna give this a B minus. That's mighty low. That is my relationship between this and Goodfellas.
2: I can appreciate that. I mean, Goodfellas was uh, a Goodfellas tops. You Me know, so work. Yeah, it didn't seem like it was long, but mm-hmm. it was.
0: I mean, I mean, this is this is a Scorsese movie, and there's no short of Scorsese like sort of uh, avant-garde camera angles, camera shots, uh, disorienting, you know. and There's no real daisy pants, but, I mean, there's no real call for it, so I understand. Um, he definitely shows his mastery of the camera and mastery of everything else, but it falls short because it I really don't think it needed to be as long as it was. Uh, I really think I that— I think you're right. I, I think if you just mm-hmm. cut bits out of it that— like, you could cut whole swatches out of this movie and just go from one thing to the next, and it it would pop much better. And, I mean, obviously, I think what he was going for at the time, he wasn't trying to make it pop. You know, it's not one of those movies where it pops. It, it shows, it kind of drags you into this hellhole of what, what the characters are going through and so forth and so on, and, and makes you experience it, and it's pretty uncomfortable, and you're like, ah, well, all right. Getting kind of tired after my fifth beer. And uh, it's been uh, two and a half hours. And, well, we watched the Boardwalk Empire premiere, se- uh, series premiere, uh, which is also directed by Morton Scorsese before this. Morton? Morton Scorsese? Martin Scorsese. Morton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and, and to be honest, dude, it was weird. Because we watched that, and there's a character named Arnold Rothstein, who's a card player. And then, like, as soon as this starts, it's like, Sam Rothstein, Ace Rothstein, and you're like,
1: that's kind of, kind of interesting there. Aren't they both real personages? Too? Probably. Maybe they're a descendant of one another.
0: Oh. Or maybe he, or maybe it's just a card player in Boardwalk Empire, and he decided to name it Rothstein, as in to pay homage to its previous film.
1: The world will never know.
0: Well, he didn't write it though; he just directed it.
1: Yeah, I mean I think a lot of boardwalk campaigns. But maybe is based they fact... named
0: it Rostin because they liked Casino. I don't know.
2: Well if Casino's based on a real story then let's to say Rostin's not a real name of a real gangster quotation marks. Uh, that gangster? they just took the name from for.
0: Yeah. I can see where that's going. Alright, so now we know how we liked it. Uh let's take a little break. Maybe we do a little thing where we give a list about uh, how Brady and I, and if Grandy wants to weigh in, feels about uh, Tarantino movies and where he ranks them.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, we'll
0: do that, and we'll be right back after that. Okay.
2: Wake up. Wake up. Break it. Break
1: it. Bitch. Hey,
0: everybody, we're doing a little special segment on this week of Creative Gouch in which we take a list of things and we rate them. We're gonna call this Rate That Shit, yo. Rate it. Or maybe just rate it. I like Rate It. We'll write a song called Rate It. It'll be Rate cool. it? Alright. Rate it. it. Sounds percussive. Anyway, in this week, we're gonna rate. The films of Quentin Tarantino. At this point, there are eight films. Those films chronologically constitute Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2, Death Proof, Inglourious Bastards, and Django Unchained. Well done, Rob. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, great. Um, And we're going to rate them. We're going to rank them. So instead of rate that, rate it, it should be like uh, rank, rank it. it. Yeah,
1: it's ranking. Rank it, bitch.
0: Rank it, bitch. Or maybe just rank it. Depending on what I decide to write when I write the theme song. Because I write all my theme songs in about 45 seconds. So, yeah, no,
1: that, they give that advice, uh, that advice in 101 Dalmatians. You write the music first, and then you have the lyrics. All right. So, in
0: this case, we'll just be choosing between rank it and rank it, bitch. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, still. Yo. Music is important. Yo, Mr. White, rank that shit, bitch. Yo, so which of us is going first? Uh,
0: why don't we just say our uh, number eight?
1: Okay, number eight. Yeah, just say you're number eight. Death proof. Death proof. Yeah, no, it pains me to say it. It, I They're love all good, death proof. <laughs> and, and death proof is one of the most exciting action movies I've ever seen, and and it's blessedly short, as most action movies are not. So it, it was actually hard for me to put it that low, but. I had to give credit to a certain, a certain movie that'll appear soon, that I need to give another chance and that many people swear by.
0: All right, you're not gonna like this. I did, I, I did my ranking I really know, quick by the way.
1: But anyway, Brady, go ahead. All right, number seven, Jackie Brown. Kill Bill one. Oh, that's fair. that. Well, that's, I mean, I, I don't agree, but it's not. That's not nearly as. I thought you were gonna say something else. Oh. No,
0: I didn't. What did you think I was going to say?
1: i <laughs> will get to it. Okay. Number six. Number six, Django Unchained. Reservoir Dogs. Oh, wow. You know, I thought you were going to put Reservoir Dogs higher. I actually put it higher than I expected. Reservoir Dogs used to be my last place, but it's it ages well with me.
0: I think I've just seen it so many goddamn times.
1: I, but that could be a good thing. You I mean, must
0: like it. The first time I ever saw it was... Uh... When I was watching uh, mudslides. Mudslides. Oh, oh, we were drinking mudslides the first time I watched no, uh, were...
1: Reservoir Dogs. Okay. So you're drinking sugary cocktails and. Yep. <laughs> watching
0: ear torture.
1: All right, uh, number five. Number five, Reservoir Dogs. Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Jackie Jack. Jackie, Jackie, Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Oh wow! So uh, a certain recent Quir- Tarantino is going to appear high for you. I, I I'm happy actually. Apparently, it's going appear to appear high for you too. No, no. I, if it's the one I'm thinking, it was my number six. Mm. All right, number four. Number four, Kill Bill Volume One. Django Unchained. Yeah, that was the
0: one. Yeah. That's what you thought I was going to say was number seven, or?
1: Well, yeah, I had it at number six, and I yeah, I was a picture. I was uh, imagining it would appear lower just cuz it's new and but no no Django and Chain's fantastic
0: right yeah no i think it's amazing i think it's i think it's him finally breaking out of his shell of homage i mean yes it's totally a western and yes it's totally a black exploitation but i think the marrying of those two things is pretty unique
1: yeah, and it's just a fantastic script. Yeah, and you and okay? Three
0: movies in one. You get you get three <laughs> like you get three fucking movies. By the way, this is spoiler for a podcast. Anyway, Brady, going?
1: Oh yeah, just quickly since we've both now mentioned Django Unchained, one thing that totally bugged me because I am really happy that Christoph Waltz won supporting actor for that role of uh, Doctor Schultz, King Schultz, Doctor King Schultz. A lot of people who are critics were like, "What? That's like the same as him in Inglorious Bastards. He's just." got a german accent and he's so smooth it's like he's deeply moral in this he's the opposite in that unless you just count him having a european accent they're not the same character at all i agree yeah all right
0: anywho uh done shaming all you people who said that thing that brady didn't like that you said yeah probably none of you who (laughs) listen to us people in my dreams
1: so we just did four now we're on three uh yeah we're on three
0: all right brady number three
1: Ooh, this was a tough one, but number three, Kill the Bill, volume two. Pulp Fiction. Ah, um, there it is.
0: Poor Brady. It's his favorite movie, so he has to put it as number one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All
0: right, I think I know how we're, we're going to know how this flips.
1: Okay, here yeah. we go. Now, number. Like, th-
0: I think if you take our top four, though, like we both... Like yeah, yeah. you split the moves, the films in half. Apparently, we both think the top 4 are the top 4 and the bottom 4 are the bottom 4.
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems to be. Yeah. Uh number 2, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Uh num- my number 2 is Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. Well, number 1 and full disclosure at this point, my number 1 movie of all time, I'm deeply deeply in love with this movie. Number one, Pulp Fiction. And my number one is Inglourious Bastards. That's a great choice.
0: Yes. Uh, okay, not too much. It wasn't like I was like, number eight, fucking a movie you love, buddy. I, I, <laughs> I, fucking... I was
1: picturing it from the very <laughs> beginning up to the... What did it get, number
0: four? Uh, uh, pulp Fiction got number
1: three. Three, Oh, that's okay, that's commendable.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, Kill Bill Volume 2 was my favorite until glorious bastards rolled around. I just had so much fun watching that movie.
1: That's great. Like, the
0: first time I saw it, it was me and Maddie, and I was like, I don't know if my girlfriend's gonna like this, and then I was like, oh, well, fuck it. I like it so much that I don't care whether or not she's enjoying herself. And then afterwards, she was like, that was super fun. I loved that. And I was like, I love you, sweetie.
1: Yeah, no, no I could get into that.
0: Movie all night long. Uh, all right, so this is our segment of rank it, bitch. Rank it, yo. All right, bye. We'll do one of these sometime soon if you like it. And tweet us at carny couch on Twitter. Go to our website. Go ahead and leave a comment on this uh, post. You can easily sign up for an account and do that. And also maybe leave us a comment on Facebook. And also comment on iTunes. Five stars. Five stars, please, 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 please. Okay. Uh, talk to you soon. And enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, we're back once again. You're listening to Carnivorous Couch. It's a spoiler-full podcast this week about Brady. Casino. And Grandy.
2: Casino. <laughs> That's right. Very good there, sir.
0: Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the opening of this film. He doesn't get blowed up. He doesn't get blown up, and then we see fire, fire everywhere, fire. And what do we hear? Oh, yeah, we hear like a church hymn. And then what does the fire turn into? It turns into like casino light. so lights. The lights of Vegas. Yeah, so obviously it's going like uh, it, there's kind of this thing where it's like, okay, so he's um, all this fire is going on. He's dying. Maybe we think at the time, possibly uh, yeah, going to hell. And then also, hell is full of sin and fire is what you get for sinning. And then after that, there's also lights, casino lights, blah, 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 gambling. Gambling is a sin. And we get the juxtaposition with the Christian or Catholic sort of hymns.
1: Yeah, I I mean, that's interesting. But I will say, uh, for purposes of this movie, I'm going to ignore the fact that gambling is traditionally considered a sin, in a lot of Christian faiths. Because I think what it is, is we come to him in 1983 and we see the car blow up and the flames erupt. And that explosion takes us back 10 years into the past at the beginning, the height of this era when the mafia came into Vegas. And I think what it is, is it's, it's a tradition back, not a tradition, transition from hell back into heaven. Cause what, what this movie really is to me is a classic, the fall story, Adam and Eve, the fall, It's about beginning with paradise, having everything we could possibly need, and just, you know, mankind's tendency, when it gets a perfect thing, it's never too perfect that you can't completely screw it up by the end. And even though Rothstein lives and thus doesn't go to hell, I think, in a sense, everyone loses their castle.
0: What do you think, Randy? What do you remember about the opening? Like, what's on the screen?
2: Well... It started with him being blown up, like Brady was saying. And then there was the church music and then the lights. So very similar to Las Vegas. Uh, And yeah, like uh, I didn't see a real connection between the the progression that was mentioned uh, going from one to the other to the other that really made any sense to me. It seemed like just an uh, intro.
1: Well here's something though. One of the first lines, I think maybe the first line after the explosion we get from Rothstein is literally I was given paradise on Earth. I mean that in fact if there's other than the length, if there's another thing that I think makes this really look less accomplished in comparison to Goodfellas is I think it's pretty overt in its spiritual symbolism. There's a lot of talk about this idea of an Eden lost. Pesci says, you know, we really had a great thing out there, and we fucked it up. De Niro literally refers to it as a paradise.
0: Well, yeah, Then there's also every time we see a child, they're in Catholic school.
1: Yeah, we see a cross behind Pesci's son when he's playing uh, ball, and the talk that they're having is actually about hubris in a way because the coach is telling him, you know, don't focus so much on home runs. Singles and doubles are fine, and I think that's a reference to what's going on with the Pesci and De Niro characters. Is they don't they have everything they need? I'm going to make a they BS can be point as well. About it. They can be careful about it, and instead they decide to just be completely hubristic, and that's why they lose everything.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to make a BS point as well, mm-hmm. which I think that the bacon in the pan before he did the pancakes was in the shape of a cross. Was it? No, maybe not. (laughs) not. Maybe so, maybe not. But if it was, fucking count it. And if it wasn't, just ignore me.
1: I'm going to count it. Count it. What,
0: what? Okay, so, yeah. So we see the opening. There's also this sort of, like, drifting. It's like he's being blown up and his body is kind of floating as a silhouette throughout the entire light sequence and the flame sequence. Or maybe only the flame sequence. And so that's yeah, kind of the a, that's kind of a he's drowning and the sin and the hellfire of what he's wrought sort of thing, uh, even before we've even you know seen the whole thing. Um, so this movie has a lot of fucking monologue over camera shots, which uh, of course Scorsese does the camera shots great with the steady cam, Like I'm gonna drift into the scene and go to this guy.
1: Oh yeah, wonderful guy, cinematography.
0: And this guy. I, I mean, it's always wonderful. I mean, it's always great. In um, this movie, though, I don't feel like it... I, I felt like it was just like Scorsese. like, I am masterful with cinematography. This is how I do a shot. And it wasn't really tied to what was going on in the film because I I didn't feel the film. I, I mean, I didn't feel like, I guess, the diegesis, what was going on at the time in the particular scene or whatever, what emotions were supposed to be coming forth. And... You know, maybe a lot of that was Sharon Stone acting. Okay, acting Sharon Stone. Anybody opinions?
1: It's considered to be. I know she got nominated for it, and it's considered to be one of her what? best performances. But yeah, you know, Sharon Stone. Well, one of her best performances. Isn't a less is more kind of actress. <laughs> and this is not a less is more kind of movie either, which I think kind of plays to the gaudy excess of. Of Las Vegas being the setting, also the fact that we transition right into the '80s, which our excess it, incarnate,
0: and also the, the the film being made in 1995 has a really '90s view of addiction, which is like she's a junkie, she doesn't know what she's doing, you know, she's a junkie. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll just send you off to the uh, farmer's acres for a, a, nobody will know who you're, you're there, and blah blah blah, none, none of that'll be publicized. And then you'll get better and blah, blah, blah. And of course she doesn't. But I mean.
1: Well, I don't think they ever send her off to treatment.
0: Well, he mentions it at one point. He's talking to her. He's like, it's going to be okay. Like, like you're drunk. You're an alcoholic. You're on the pills. We're going to send you off. We're going to get you some treatment. You're going to be okay. He does that sort of thing. And I mean, like, in, in the 90s, that's kind of how people looked at addicts. They were like, they're addicts. They can't, you know, they're they're bad people. Right. Right. And like kind of the sin sort of thing that that's her sin throughout the movie. But I mean, like in the aughts and well, now it's the 20 teens and we've come to realize that addicts aren't bad people. They have a disease and so forth and so Mm -hmm. on. Um, And maybe that's how our media nowadays deals with it or eh, probably not. But I think it's in Will by the end, by, by the end of this decade. That's how we'll deal with addiction. But in the 90s, it was just like, she's a junkie, and they're just written off. She's always going to be crazy for the entire movie. Right. Right. So, I mean, she has to do this over-the-top, sort of like, I'm a junkie. I'm drunk. I'm just being a crazy person. But I'm also uh, totally, like, stifled by the patriarchy and totally, like, controlled. Like, I'm owned.
2: Yeah, like that the whole, I, that's true. Like, the true. marriage
0: itself. Okay, so when they get married, um, this was something I pointed out when you were watching it. I'm like, oh, look at that camera shot. They have her, she's on the phone with her man that, like, kind of picked her up when she was 14 and they had this thing and he's an older man. And, like, she's always been owned by somebody sort of thing.
1: I don't think he owns her. What's interesting about that is it's, uh... But 14. It's a contract. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're meant to see him as a bit skeezy, I think. Yeah, he's this skeezy guy
0: who was with her when she was 14. He obviously wasn't 14 at the time. He didn't seem that old, though. Let's just say they weren't high school sweethearts or something?
1: Yeah, he might have been in his 20s I, or something. I think something. it was
0: pretty clear he was around the same age as Sam. Well, he's Rob James Tanner Woods. George. He's yeah. James Woods. Yeah.
1: No, definitely. <laughs> Is
2: that inherently... Uh...
1: It's, uh, well, I guess... He's skeezy because he's James Woods, all right? He's, he's... Have you seen
0: the skeezy news stories that have to do with James <laughs> Woods? No, he's, but uh, I'll take your word for he's it. He's
1: skeezy and not that, that much older than Sharon Stone. Yeah, but I, I don't...
0: I don't think we were meant to believe that they were, like, high school sweethearts of the same age, you know?
1: No, yeah. No, I, I don't think it was a, a, an orthodox relationship. I think it was... He's like, oh.
0: I saw you the first time when you were 14 with those <laughs> legs and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, if I look at a 14-year-old and I'm looking at her legs, I'm a perv. Unless I'm 13.
1: Yeah, and he's a pimp. They go so far as to say that he's he's a right. pimp from Beverly Hills.
0: Yeah, and she'd been an escort and uh, you know, even the Sam Rothstein character makes makes uh mention to the fact that she was a, a at least at one point in time a hooker. So all that stuff. All that stuff is there. I think it's fairly clear. So anyway, mm-hmm. um but he gets married to her, she says, I'm not in love with you. He goes, well, let's get married anyway. We can build that. We can grow that. I just want you to be with me. And, that, like, the whole thing is is that, you know, he's got all this money and power because he's in Las Vegas, and he owns her. Like, she's she's totally personified throughout this film as a victim of the patriarchy. She's just totally owned by him. Like, he, his whole relationship towards her is, I want to control you. I want, like, I get to... You know, and then when it gets really bad when she gets really drug addicted he goes oh we'll we'll fix you we'll send like she's like a thing that he wants to own right, and then he's gotta fix it, and then if he can't fix it, he needs to know where it is all the time and what it's doing all the time, like totally just like owns her. she has almost absolutely no agency throughout the entire film she has no control over what she does and what she's doing.
1: Yeah, that's okay. So, if there's anything that I think is really interesting to this film, because you know, granted, I really like the way Scorsese goes about presenting this tragic rise and fall, Uh, the Eden stuff. Some of it is very interesting to me, and I think it's nevertheless than very well acted. But if there's one thing that I think is really interesting, it's the kind of contradiction in the Rothstein character, because the decision he makes with regards to marrying her, like. We have a lot of movies where there's evidence that the viewer can see that these people shouldn't be together. But Sharon Stone, the character, Ginger, is completely straight up with him from the very start. She says, I I can't love you. I'm not in love with you. This is a mistake. And the character of Rothstein up to that point has been presented to us as a very cool, very collected gambler. He doesn't take big risks. The Pesci character, I think, in voiceover says it. like He's not the kind of guy to bust out. He'll just go small all night. He's a calm, collected guy, and yet all of a sudden, when he actually has evidence that he has a losing bet, he puts it all down on it.
0: Yeah, and he even says right before he's like, "And then I thought it was a good time to go and complicate my life." Right. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is when he marries her, she's on the phone with her old sweetheart, blah blah blah. And there's this shot where it's just like him and her, and then it pans over to like this kind of warm, glowy reflection in a golden uh steel thing which is like really softly lit and looks golden and mm-hmm. and like an old movie actress and it's like that's that's what they're projecting to the outside like he's her arm candy for everyone else to look at but then what's really going on is this really harsh kind of projection of him and her where she's crying. Right. So she she's she's very like downtrodden from the get go.
1: Well, see, okay, so here's a question because obviously we've already touched on this is a very long movie. And Rob's pointed out, and I agree with him, even though I think there are exceptions. But I mostly agree with you, Rob, that a lot of the time there's a lot of exposition and it doesn't always match up with what we're seeing. It's almost like they're trying to get two things done at once, which is funny since it takes them three hours anyway. But my question would be uh, – actually, sorry, wait, remind me what you just said. Sorry.
0: Uh I was talking about the camera shot. And the nice glowy one in the reflection and the the not glowy one with her crying. But then before that uh, you were talking about what, what I said during the wh- which one are you asking about?
1: Oh no, I, I was gonna say something pertinent to to that shot. Um, oh, all right, come back to it.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, uh what else do you have to say? Got anything to weigh in on, Grandy? Are you just uh, kind of tired here?
2: A wee bit. <laughs> uh, I kind of appreciated the length of the movie because it took a lot of time to really get to know the characters. Or they took the time so that we could get to know the characters. Kind of more like we were reading a book instead of watching an action-packed movie what? like you might expect from a monster mobster movie.
0: Yeah, well I kind of know who Joe Pesci was in like 5 minutes. He was really? Joe Pesci. Yeah, but the, a the story evolves the guy in the neck in the first scene that he's in.
2: Not as much the character <laughs> knowledge about them, because, I mean, that can be pretty evident pretty quickly. But
0: he stabs a guy in the neck but, with uh, a pen and enters the
2: voiceover that's like, if you come at him with a, a fist,
0: he'll come back at you with a knife. If you come at him with a knife, he'll come at you with a gun. If you come at him with a gun, you better hope you kill him, because he's not going to relent after that.
2: Yeah, a basic synopsis uh, of the characters, but to really watch them interact with each other and take its sweet time to do all of that is kind of slow. To be honest, I didn't see Joe Pesci's character
0: really grow beyond that.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm going to step up, and I'll say uh, I actually like the performance by Pesci a lot. Um, I like his Midwestern accent. Well, it's different from one. Uh, If we're comparing it to Tommy DeVito, his character in Goodfellas, one, we can say he's at least Tommy DeVito from the Midwest. But, you know, as much as I find them, I see the similarities, and there are a lot of them. I think there are some important differences between the character. I think that the character of Pesci in Casino is a Tat tat. Say hello to my big fat bat. Bam. What movie is that from? Uh
0: that's from a Saturday night live sketch where Jim Carrey's playing Jimmy Stewart and Joe somebody's playing Joe Pesci.
1: Ah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I I'd say that he at least He plays a character equally as brutal, but maybe less impetuous than the one he plays in Goodfellas. You know, he's a hothead, but in a much more calculating way. I think the Pesci character means to do a lot of what he does, a lot of the violent, awful things he does. But I think, you know, when he has that conversation with the banker, he puts his finger on it. He's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm just stupid. Like, and I know I'm stupid. Like, I will come at you again and again, and I'll go to jail. Whereas the Tommy DeVito character in Goodfellas, I think, is really completely out of control with his own emotions.
0: All right. Well, I'll buy that. But that's a negligible difference between those two characters.
1: You may be right.
0: (laughs) Do you want to defend yourself, Grandy? You're just going to acquiesce to my shitting on your point. Well, it didn't seem like
2: Brady was shitting on my point.
0: No, I was shitting on your point. And then Brady said something, and I said... My point still
2: stands. From an entertaining movie standpoint, you're right. (laughs) If you're just going to watch a quick movie to see some action and a a quick story. But you want to see a real story instead of read a real story. You're going to have to take at least a couple of hours. And I think they did it well.
1: Yeah, this is something I'm with Grandy on. One of the things that I always loved about the movie, and I still really, really appreciated, is the detail. I'm glad, if nothing else, we got the detail, because this might be your standard issue, you know, rise and fall, Eden kind of story. Even though I appreciate that it's actually rooted in history, but I think what made it uh, more pleasurable to go through is that it also is very much about painting a picture of what Vegas was like at the time. And I, I love the details. I love going through the counting room. I love being taken through the halls. And, yeah, this is all stuff Scorsese did in Goodfellas with the Copacabana, and he's known for these tracking shots. No, no, I loved all those things, too. Yeah, I mean, if anything really sells this movie for me, it is that love of, like, wanting to know, oh, what all, all these the things places? things that are
0: notable happen in the first, like, maybe 20 minutes of the movie.
1: Really? I think we get detail saturation throughout. I, The, I, the one I said to you I feel you like is, there's a
0: large gap of 50 minutes where it's just, like— all right, yes, you're expositing the plot. I feel like you could do this a little faster.
2: Well, they've got to get into the love story aspect of it, too, which, if anything, was a little much for the whole thing, but but wasn't really at all because that was kind of the point of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like an anti-love story. The story in the end is everyone, for various reasons, loses. It's about sin, and the sin of our main character, I think, is pride. It's looking at a no, I don't love you right in the face, and all of a sudden, after being the most rational gambler in the world, refusing to actually make a rational decision.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, he totally, like, gives her the key and puts $2 million cash in a safe deposit box and says, like, yeah, I want her to have that. And even the banker's like, wow, you really trust your wife.
2: That seemed rational in my mind, though. I thought that I mean, was insane. Yeah, Are but, you kidding me? <laughs> but dude's making a lot of money. What's really $2 million, Which... Then why did he give a shit so much about it? Like I was kind of confused about that. Yeah. Like at the end where that's he was kind of like, "Oh, hey, it's a million dollars. Come that, on." That's what I like, thought at
0: first. He was, it, at first he was like he was like, "No, no, I want her to have it. I want her to have control over it and blah 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 blah." And then like at the end though, he was like, "How much? How much did you lose?" She's like, "25 grand." He's like, "Fine. 25 grand. That's fine. I can deal with 25 grand, but I'm freaked out about the couple million blah blah blah." You know.
1: I mean, empathetically speaking, I think we're most with him with that beginning line where he's talking about, you know, things to be good have to have trust. And he says, if you don't have that trust, then what's the point? And so he made a dumb decision, but at the same time, in an idealistic, weird way, I feel for him grasping it like, isn't there some way I can just get something? Because he's sent to Las Vegas, sinfully and falsely. He's put up there as a front man by mafia guys. And his entire struggle this entire time, I think, is to do things legitimately, to be legitimate, to be a legitimate casino owner who's not a criminal. And then something we have a wife
0: who really loves him. And something we miss in the plot synopsis is is the chickens come home to roost, and they kind of, you know, uh, there's a dude who comes in who's like a senator, like he fires. Yeah, he fires. Okay, so yeah, he fires some shit kicker guy in a cowboy hat uh, for being sucky at his job. And turns out he's like the son of a senator or something like that, and then the senator comes in and goes like, "Can't we give him a job somewhere? I understand you screwed up, but maybe you give him a job with less responsibility, maybe." And uh, then he goes, "Nope, I can't help you at all." And so then that guy kind of uh, sit like he kind of takes a vindictive thing on him, and uh, at one point he's in an inter- interview and he goes like, "Well, I guess you could say when this person's out of town, and that's the person with the license." I'm the boss while well, he's out of town. And then so all this stuff comes up He's that he's actually running the joint and um, so forth and so on. And that's all right. kind of contrived by the guy who is related to the guy that he fired. Right. And then because of that, uh, he gets brought up on the legitimacy thing. And they say, well, you're illegitimate. You're not.
1: Yeah, he you never had his a gambling, gambling license. A gaming yeah. license.
0: Mm-hmm. So all that is brought to terms by the fact, uh, you know, despite how much he wants to be legitimate, because he is basically coming from this illegitimate group of people, the mobsters, the gangsters who have been running Las Vegas since 1950, um, then he's unable to uh, because of his ties to that, he's unable to become legitimate, which is what he really wants in the first place. He's Right.
1: Yeah. So, Scorsese Pop Quiz, who's another major character who comes into a powerful position illegitimately and wants nothing more than to gain legitimacy? The Butcher? Matt
0: Damon in The Departed. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. But wait a minute. Is it Matt Damon, or is it Leo DiCaprio who wants to gain legitimacy?
1: DiCaprio is legitimate from the start and is told by uh, by the police force that because of his background, the only thing he can do is pretend to be illegitimate legitimately.
0: Okay, well, I was just mm-hmm. interpreting that as you're illegitimate because of your background and you're trying to do the undercover gig to become legitimate.
1: I oh, know. Yeah, the Damon character is like Rothstein because he is powerful the entire time, but the the foundation his entire house is built on is a complete lie. It's all mafia owned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But is he trying to become legitimate in the
1: department? Yeah, he because he keeps remember he keeps it that way. He keeps looking at that golden dome, which is the state house, which is like, you know, screw being a cop. I want to be a senator. I want to be like an actual, like a real powerful person and break away from my reliance on the people who brought me up into the position I'm in. But
0: he's in. so super shiny. Why would he even bother being a mobster informant if that's all he wants? I don't think he is a mobster
1: informant. Matt Damon and... Nicholson's the inf- the FBI informant we find
2: no, out at the end. Yeah, yeah, Nicholson's working Matt with Dam- Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay, he we're getting
0: we're getting deep into the plot of Yeah,
2: well, that. isn't this another <laughs> podcast that we're talking about all yeah, of yeah, a sudden? Yeah, we should probably do that one some other time. <laughs> Which is an excellent uh, movie choice.
0: And an excellent time to take a little break and do our scene of the week. All right. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors To do the scene from this screenplay But we've got two understudies And to be honest They're probably more famous anyway So try to guess the actors Try to guess the movies Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch This game called understudy Is happening, happening, happening Right now Torque wrench, please Yo I wish I could meet my real dad, man. You will. Yo, Mr. White, yeah, I guess so, but... My mom says when I'm like 45, I get sent back through time to 1984, and... But right now, he hasn't even been born yet. Um, Messes with your head, yo. Where's the other boat? Bitch. Here you go, I'm handing it to you. Thanks, uh... You know, Mom and him were only one together for one night, but uh, I guess she still loves him and shit. I mean, I guess I see her crying sometimes. She denies it totally, of course. Like, she's got something in her fucking eye or whatever. Why do you cry? You mean people? I don't know. You just cry, you know, when it it hurts. Pain causes it. No, no, bitch. It's different. It's like when there's something wrong with you, but you hurt anyway. You, you get it? No.
2: All right. Yeah, bitch.
0: My man.
1: No problemo. That was
0: undiscerd. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y couch. Once again, still stands. First person to get guess the right actor four times, mm-hmm. wins the bet, and if they lose the bet, they got to go buy a pair of high heels and walk around in them for an hour while the other person takes pictures. And they can't say that they lost a bet. Correct. All right. Hey, 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 everybody. We're back. This is Carnivorous Couch. You can tweet us at Carney Couch. You can also find us on Facebook at Carnivorous Couch. Um... And you can find us at our website at carnivorouscouch.com. Anyway, we were talking about Casino, and we were running out of things to say about it. So I was wondering, hey, Grandy, do you have anything else to say about this movie?
2: Well, I mean, I do have uh, appreciation for Robert De Niro. And almost everything I've seen that he's been in... uh, Though I've not watched his real recent movies. Real recent being like the last five or ten years.
0: That's quite a while.
2: And I appreciate the fellow. And uh, I thought he did an excellent job. Is
0: that about all you have (laughs) to say about this movie? Oh, Joe Pesci. You just think Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci
2: were good. And the whole, doesn't I mean, that I mean, them? The whole relationship aspect of it kind of added its own dimension, and I appreciated the other dimension of the movie because I love the mobster brutality, and a mobster movie in my mind should have a lot of the mobster brutality in it. Well, there's always a lot of mobster brutality in any Scorsese
0: mob movie. There's always a lot of brutality. He really likes doing oozy jelly blood.
2: I don't think this one had enough. Uh, there there was, was a lot there was, of oozy jelly blood in this movie. There was a lot. Uh, but there was the huge romance part of the whole thing, which I can appreciate. Do not get me wrong. But least didn't beat her
0: up, because that that always bothers me when that happens in movies. Like, well, in the movie we watched last week, where he smashes her in the face with a Coke bottle. Oh, just.
1: Really? You were you were more put off by violence in The Long Goodbye than this? <laughs>
0: yes, because it wasn't against women.
1: Because <laughs> let me go on record. <laughs> no, sorry, Randy. The most
0: he does is he kind of slaps her when they're shaking the diamonds out of her hair. Like, he kind of gets like, and then he goes, okay, good job. There's the one diamond that I was hoping that would fall out of your
1: hair. Uh, actually, you know, some of the physical treatment of Sharon Stone is, I think, deliberately filmed by Scorsese to be very upsetting. Well, I mean, it's very upsetting. She's dragged the- down a hallway. She's, like, pushed out, down, forced almost downstairs. Thrown down, though. Yeah, she's, like... And yeah, she it's goes, like kicking a, it's and like and a
0: controlling thing. Like, I'm going to control where you go and where what it is, but it's not like an impact. Like, it really disturbs me when I see, like, a woman get impacted by an object swinging at her, especially at the face. And, and there wasn't very much of that in, in this movie, for which I'm thankful. I mean, I understand, yes, he did drag her down, blah, 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 and, like, you know,
1: even the yeah, small child got shamed. tied up
0: and this and that and the other. But, I mean, she also did a whole bunch of crazy shit.
1: Right. Well, I no doubt. Uh, but I mean, that character is put through a level of shame that...
0: Okay, that, that character, to me, did the way Sharon Stone acted, it did not seem like a drug addict, though.
1: I, well, she was just mm. a pill popper. She was just kind of a, a boozy, rich hustler. But it didn't even
0: seem like an alcoholic, like, in the way she was behaving. Like, they kept kind of just doing, like, oh, she's crazy, she's an alcoholic. And her being the only, uh, female with Well, I mean, she has a serious lack of agency because she's a female and because
2: he controls her every this or that or the other. But um, she was practically the only female in the whole movie, though. I mean, do things. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Any other real female character wasn't really that big of a character. Right. I mean, Nikki
1: had a wife, but.
2: But Pretty minimal. Who was his wife? Yeah, I don't even remember. The character
0: Sam had a wife, or not a wife, but a girlfriend prior to right. Oh, who did? Sam. Sam had a girlfriend prior to Ginger. Yeah, because when they first show his apartment, like he comes over, with uh, uh Nikki comes over with his wife and meets him, and he's got like some oh, yeah, tall that's, blonde chick. He,
1: no, that's when they meet Ginger. That's Ginger. No, no,
0: it's before he before he before he marries Ginger. And long before they have this scene with him marrying Ginger.
1: Are you thinking of the character that Nikki has filleted him in the car, the tall blonde? No. Because I think the scene you're talking about, if it's Nikki and his wife meeting Sam and someone, that's uh, that's them meeting that's like Ginger the first time for the first time. Sam time.
0: spread before Sam has noticed Nikki. Like, there's the scene where Sam notices Nikki in the thing and she's throwing all the chips out because the dude won't give it, her his cut. That's Ginger. Yeah, that's Ginger. Right. Before that scene, there's a scene where Nikki goes over to De Niro's place, and he's got some nondescript blonde who doesn't say a word there. She's taller than Ginger. We'll
1: have to watch it's that not back. not
0: Sharon Stone.
1: Because I, I thought that was the, you know, <laughs> the, Nikki and his wife meeting Sam and Ginger as a couple for the first time.
0: Alright, maybe I missed that, but I don't think so. Because I think it was prior to the scene.
2: Regardless, she's the only real female character in the whole movie.
0: Aside from the other person I'm talking about, Brady says is the same
2: person. Who had a quick screenshot which she was there, but not a real character. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. If
1: Brady can't remember it,
2: it was not...
1: I don't even think. I don't even think she exists. Either way, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Brady
0: can't
2: remember the scene I'm talking about. Fucking. <laughs> maybe it happened, but it was inconsequential. I Not, think
1: well, shyamalan like, if we go Vulcan. back and watch that movie, every <laughs> woman we see is actually ginger. Just kidding.
0: Except for the dealer, who's a brunette and was grinning at Joe Pesci when he wanted. To Shouldn't do that. Yeah, he's like... Don't bury your teeth at him. What the fuck you grinning about, you fucking... Fucker. Yeah, 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 I'll go, go grin, I'll
2: stick a cock in your grin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't he say something like that? It, it sounds like something he would say, but I don't remember the particular part where he did it. Which doesn't mean he didn't do it. Because it does very much seem like something he
1: would say. Well, so are we are we wrapping up right now? Is that what's happening?
2: Uh, I did want
0: to say that when she was being crazy, she wasn't being like a drug addict. She was just being like my mom when my mom was going crazy, which is weird because my mom's not an alcoholic or a drug addict or addicted to anything. But my mom would go crazy and like try and run people over with cars or throw things. It was a lot like that.
1: I don't know. How much do you know about pill poppers?
0: Well, my mom Not too much, I hope. Well, I mean... I know a fair bit about pill poppers, but my mom wasn't a pill popper.
1: Yeah, oh, but heavy pill popper. This she was portrayed as a heavy. Uh, what, what, do you remember what the drug usually had?
0: Hev- usually heavy pill. Oh, they were for pain when
2: he had an
1: ulcer. Yeah, pa-
0: okay,
2: pain pills. So it was
0: probably oxycodone.
2: Were they showed her doing a bit or of some, cocaine as well. Or yeah, some she did have that powdery habit substance too. in her eyes. Right, right.
1: And De Niro mentioned she drinks a lot. Yes. And that she's only sober between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m.
0: Yeah, I mean, mostly it was that she was an alcoholic. If she was as serious of a pill popper through the, throughout the entire time, as we were led to believe, she would probably be dead. I yeah. mean, her main drug of choice is obviously alcohol. Pill poppers don't live, if liked for 10 years, as a pill popper. Okay. They, they die. Because mm-hmm. it's really easy yeah. to overdose And plus, there weren't as many pill poppers back in the
2: 70s, 80s as there are today. Yeah, they were stuck on coke and LSD.
0: And weed. and will, but that doesn't even count, man.
2: Coke, LSD, weed, booze, uh, coke. (laughs) Yeah, they loved that shit in, in their day. I think they still do nowadays. All right, so yeah. I, I think
0: I've said everything I want to say. Does anybody else want to say anything about this movie? Or are we like moving right along? Moving right along.
2: Well, what well, well, movie are you thinking of doing hey, next time, hey, you I, guys? Well, or we're trying second. to figure out a part to that segment yet.
1: You yeah, know, I you know I do want to because I'm controlling like Ace Rothstein. All I right, do want to say something. What on What do this. you want to
0: say about this movie?
1: Uh, well, I think one of the most valuable things, first off, just as a caveat about watching movies, especially ones you've seen before, is it is good to revise your original opinions on things. And I'm glad to have done that with Casino. Fuck that. I'm right in the first place every
0: time, and I never change my (laughs) mind, and I never acquiesce to anything. And that is the American way. And if, God forbid, a politician has a stance on one thing in 1958, but then around 1963 says, wait a minute, that's a good point. Somebody's made some good points, and I've changed my mind. That's a fucking flip flopper, and fuck that dude because he educated himself and changed his mind based on the information he received. So anyway, uh, I'm glad Thank that you, I'm glad that you're <laughs> a flip flopper, you fucking socialist. Uh, obviously from Kenya, and therefore a terrorist because your name is like Larson, which is a lot like Larsinia, which Larson-y. is like a Russian name that
1: means terrorist. Names. Anywho, uh, so so I'm willing to admit that this movie uh, isn't quite the masterpiece I had it painted as when I saw it in college. But at the same time, I'm looking over my notes, and what I'm struck by isn't so much even the content of the notes, but I've got a lot of notes here. And what that says to me is we're still doing— It's a
0: long
2: movie.
1: There was a lot
2: of great lines, though.
1: Hold on, hold on. Yeah, it it is a long movie. You're right, and it could have been shorter and more concise, but the fact is, and
0: that's why you have a lot of notes. It was a long movie. Anyway, go on.
1: But that's not why, because you know what? In this day and age, they make it is
0: why. But go on.
1: In this day and age, they make CGI schlockfests that run well past the two hour mark. This what I have on this my notepad here is going. Just let me finish.
0: <laughs> I am letting you finish.
1: Go on. Uh, what this evidence is to me, and what I still go back to on this movie, even if it is over long, is we can't take Scorsese for granted. We can't take for granted, I think, some really remarkable acting on display here. I think Grandy's right. I think De Niro's great. I think Pesci's great. At, hold on, Rob. Hold on. Uh, God. <laughs> He's just whispering sweet nothings to his mic, and I don't know what to do. I don't... <laughs>
0: I didn't say anything.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, there's an abundance of really nice acting. There's also a lot of rich ideas here. And I think maybe if it comes up short, it's because it's so much length poured into what is a basic story template, this whole rise and fall thing. But Scorsese makes the entire thing so realistic. And the cinematography, the acting, everything poured into it is so rich that I think this is still a movie I'll enjoy going back to over the years even if it is maybe a flawed scorsese
0: i so, think so
1: i just want to say cuz we've we've been maybe beating up on it a little bit eating the mic and i don't want anyone listening to get the idea that we're beating up on it because it's I, a bad movie i think it's a very good movie i think this is the Ooh. first
0: movie that we've watched that might need like kind of a second watching to actually possibly properly digest it I mean, like we watched this three-hour movie, and then we walked right in here and started a podcast.
1: And oh I, yeah, I mean, and I think
0: there's so much in this movie that it just is incoherent because of the fact that we have not properly digested what we just watched.
1: Well, I've I've seen this thing ten times. I mean, I I know what I digested, but I think it's okay.
2: I, a a so lot I don't really a have so I more coherent than you give it credit for, Rob. And I think it is very coherent. You're grade of a B minus. I believe is not, not a bad grade. Warranted. If I made a film
0: that
1: I gave a B minus,
0: I would be stoked with myself.
1: <laughs> oh, me too. But I'm not Martin Scorsese. But I mean, that's just setting. <laughs> yeah, you're setting, watching, not
2: creating. That
0: setting stuff. the bar as Goodfellas
1: as an A. Like mm-hmm. this compared to an old Taxi B-. Driver.
0: That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, but you know, at the same time, I give things that aren't. Scorsese's Goodfellas, an A. Okay,
0: name another really, really good A movie.
1: Well, like The for...
2: Matrix, the first Matrix, I thought was B+. Okay, plus. awesome.
1: For, for example, I know Rob will disagree with me on this, but but I do this to illustrate the variance and the kind of things that can be A's. I give a masterpiece like Raging Bull, like a towering work of art, an A. I also gave Knocked Up an A just for being a very well-written right. work of comedy. So
0: compared to Knocked Up, I think a grade of B minus is pretty good.
2: (laughs) What kind of comparison is that, man? An apples and oranges comparison. So, like, the worst comparison you could possibly make, is that what you're saying? Yes. (laughs) I can accept that.
1: Can we convince you to drag it up to a B just on ideological richness?
0: Not without watching it a second time and doing another podcast on Wait, it. Whoa,
1: no, I'm uh, just kidding. I don't want to I don't want you to change your grade. Like I
0: I think I think we should just put little check boxes or files. So like a year from now and we're like we're gonna rewatch one movie we've watched in the past. Oh, year. that's
1: a good idea. Just yes. one or in a year from now. We can even pick it out of a hat. So right now, this but it go- can't be any straight A's. If it had A's from both of okay, us, so what I'm it saying shouldn't be in the head. Is
0: that this is one of the movies that's a contender for that? I don't think any of the movies we've watched thus so far is really a contender, but I think this one kind of there's a lot here to the point where we we can't we can't get it in one viewing and sit down and podcast like we normally do with Bro, this movie. Yes, sir.
2: How would you rate this movie compared to, or I mean? Without comparing it to Fellows. like you say Goodfellas is an A, and this movie's a B minus. But if you're not comparing it to Fellows, then what would you give it? A C plus. Oh, wait. Lower.
1: If <laughs> you if you don't compare it to the the towering masterpiece, it loses even more points. That's...
0: If I just watched this movie and didn't think about what Goodfellas was and then what the good parts of Goodfellas that were involved in this and that the fact that this was Scorsese and that all the things that intrinsically come along with Scorsese uh, are in this... If if I took it devoid of the director that it's made by...
2: Well, no. Take it just devoid of there ever being a Goodfellas. Like if Goodfellas never existed as a movie, it's Goodfellas. then... Not and good fellow, you'd give either. it a C minus. Yeah, I mean, no, I'd give it a C plus.
1: Here's here's <laughs> a question, just taking a little part of it into account. If you'd never seen that amazing tracking shot through the club and Goodfellas, would you not have been all the more like one in awe? Like, because I thought it was a really good shot. You I've awe seen it. Oh, wait, I wait, can't hold, on, hold on, unsee it. <laughs> but but what, what I'm asking is. If Goodfellas was removed, wouldn't you have been even more in awe of those great shots moving through the counting room, seeing the change get sifted, seeing the change get sifted and also uh, seeing, you know, the people counting and just this full immersive tracking shots through the casino? I mean, I, I've got a lot of admiration for the amount of care he puts into his mise-en-scene. I
0: would. And if I didn't know I was watching a Scorsese movie, I probably would have not have noticed because he is that masterful. Added, and that's why I love Scorsese.
1: Well, the shots are pretty showy. I think you definitely notice.
0: I don't know. I don't tend to notice things like that when they're done as seamlessly as they are in this film. Like, by the end of the movie, after I had already adjusted to the fact that Scorsese does that, I stopped noticing all those shots altogether, although I'm sure they were still there.
2: So it was so good
0: that you can't notice how good it is. you gave it a lower score. Uh, You need the (laughs) narrative... To kind of be as good as the filmmaking that describes the narrative mm. in order for it to be like really good. Yeah, I'm with you. That is where it comes up short. I am with you there. And so here's what the problem was. is like It was made like awesome because Corsese is an awesome like, director. He's like, we're going to take this shot here, and then we're going to cut to this, and I'm going to do a, a circle wipe, and then I'm going to zoom in on his desk that says no. Isn't that a great cut? Right? Stuff like that. So, all that sort of stuff happens, and that's just fine, but the thing is, because the narrative didn't drive me there, like, I stopped noticing and I stopped being into it. And I don't think that would be the case if I was watching it for a second time. I think watching it all the way through in one three hour period, which we stretched out to about four with breaks, like, I think if I was sitting in a movie theater watching it for the first time, kind of stoned, like, I like to watch Scorsese movies for the first time when they first come out. Um, then I would be digging this movie a lot more, just not as much because it it's a movie that really needs to be studied to be appreciated. It's too much. There's so much stuff there that you just kind of gloss over it, and that's why I can't even think
2: of anything else to say about it.
1: No, that's fair, and that's a lot said.
2: Uh, <laughs> all right, I kind of feel the opposite about... Uh, movies, like the length and the slowness of a movie is a lot easier to grasp and get uh, more points of it than a movie of equal value that's a lot shorter. Because there's so much more going on in a shorter amount of period that it's harder to catch everything that's going on, as opposed to when it's going a little slower and taking three hours to play. Yes. Though, three hours is a very long for a movie... To have to sit down and watch—that's more of a project than just sitting down to watch a movie.
0: You know, I understand the extended time for someone's uh, life story, like Braveheart. Braveheart was what two forty-five? Did we figure out something mm-hmm. like that earlier? Another very long movie, but I mean, like that's his life story is like he's in this little place and then he's got this wife and then she gets murdered and then he goes and, he, and then he meets this new chick who's kind of an aristocrat and then he like slaughters some people and then he decides to kill everybody and he gets drawn in court and blah, blah, blah. but i mean that's a lot like that's a period of 25 years this is a period of 10 years But not much really happened in that 10 years. I got married and everything was good. And then Nikki was kind of being a dick. And then after that, Nikki starts sleeping with my wife. And then after that, uh, (laughs) um, everybody got killed except for uh, me. And then my wife was a junkie somewhere else and died. That's about the extent of this film compared to Braver, which is a lot more.
2: Wait, so then who are the heroes of this film? I mean, at the end, like, other than, uh... You're a hero just for surviving. (laughs) But they sure tried to kill that guy. So, he's the hero just by happenstance? I I, I think the Joe Pesci character tried to kill him. Well, somebody did.
1: Yeah, I mean, asking who the heroes are... otherwise they would have just done it again. Like, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to to this analogy, but for me, asking who the heroes are is, is asking who the heroes are in Adam and Eve. Yeah. It's a story of everyone fucking up, everyone making mistakes, and lots of little mistakes compounding upon each other, so that everyone loses most yeah, of mean, what they Adam, want. The yeah. most you Adam get took
0: is his rib out, out alive, and made women. I think you're right, sir. Which was a huge fuck up because, goddamn, well, it caused so many problems.
2: W- women.
0: Actually, <laughs> no. The truth is, actually, I, I've heard this most recently is that studies show that uh, part of the fact of us being mammals and having uh, sexual reproduction. We had asexual reproduction, and that the male species is actually a mutation
2: that made sexual reproduction happen. No. God created Adam and then took his rib out, like the ribs you guys are holding. And all from dudes. space and black people. And can out never of that rib, he worlds. created the lady. And that's how life was created
0: on Earth. Amen. So it's actually the opposite is that. Everything was female, and there was asexual reproduction, but then man was a mutation and then had sex with a female, and it created sexual reproduction. Amen. <laughs> Either that or we're all from space, and then the darkies never get to join the uh, the super afterworld thing.
1: Hmm.
0: And if uh, anybody knows, I'm quoting my
2: very limited understanding of Mormonism. Uh, I didn't even catch a thing you said Related to Mormonism And I would know If anybody would uh,
1: I blacked out at darkies <laughs> I heard something in, in Mormonism That like all... black
0: people couldn't go to heaven Or well they couldn't go to Murph But maybe that's just propaganda yeah, About well... how those nice fuckers Who are always nice to everybody else Are horrible And that's why we Committed genocide against them <laughs> Mormons There's...
1: don't have heaven They have like Mervins. What? (laughs) 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 Uh, Darkies have no Mervins.
2: What? Are you guys even? I've never even heard this from like uh, a sane person, or someone who thinks (laughs) they know know about said Mormonism. Uh, Was Mervin
1: to Mormon? chain?
2: Yeah. Explain what you were trying to say, Brady.
1: I blacked out at darkies. doesn't matter. <laughs> they're out of business now. <laughs> Andy blacked out at darkies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. a lot of <laughs> Hey, Internet, they... please be kind to me if you bother to listen to what I have said. Anyway, uh, anybody else got anything to say about this film? I think it deserves a second cool. watching. Maybe it should go in the hat that we draw from in a year from now.
2: Yeah, not next week. I think next no, week no, would be a, year. a terrible time to watch. Next scene, year, you know, again.
1: all right. One year from now, possibly we will...
0: a year and then some months, which would make it two numbered yeah. years, but like less than two years.
2: Doesn't that mean that you should have a hat right now that you're putting the name of this movie into? So next I year, you can't wear a hat can, uh, and
0: headphones at the same time. So no,
2: you don't wear the hat you put names into, sir. I can always listen back. Oh, <laughs> in technology. So anyway, um
1: Oh here, what are we watching next week? Yeah.
0: What are we watching next week?
1: Uh, well Grandy Pick this is, week. What did you, what? you want to what? watch? What what did I want to watch?
0: Yeah. Oh what Like see. last week you wanted to watch something that we were just laughing over the entire thing as you were trying Oh to yeah. Start.
1: Yeah, fine. I'll I'll toss that out again. The leopard. The Leopard. The Leopard.
2: I think that the movie that should be watched by you guys is uh, Who Killed Roger Rabbit? Or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who I Framed mean. Roger Rabbit. That's my right, favorite yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and exactly thus,
1: it should be uh... appealing to Rob. <laughs> <A> sly <laughs> move. Actually, I love that movie, too.
2: Ooh, maybe I'm appealing to both of you.
1: I think we can get
0: to that one eventually, but not next week. Uh, I don't think we can. Al- I also don't think we can get to Brady's choice next week. I think we need to come up with something altogether new.
1: <laughs> this is new. <laughs> Why do you hate the leopard?
2: <laughs> I've never even heard of the leopard. But I do leopard. hate jaguars and pumas. Oh, the leopard would murder it's you a lot different. faster than those guys.
0: I think that we should
2: watch damn Yankees.
0: It's a movie about baseball. No, I don't actually think that.
2: There's I, a movie what... called The Damn Yankees? No, just Damn Yankees.
1: Huh. Mm, those damn Yankees, why can't we beat them? You're blind, you blind, you, blind you must be out of your mind. You? You're right. You guys should watch
2: Les Miserables next week. Les Miserables? Yeah. M- or Miserables? Or miserable. <laughs> yeah, lame, Miss Rob. That's the <laughs> one you guys Wait, watch. so watch.
1: Miserable there a porn,
0: French fucks. Is there a porn movie called Lame Ms. Rob? I'll bet
2: there is. I sure hope you're not.
0: Yeah, because we though. almost accidentally downloaded porn instead of downloading Casino this week to watch it. Oh, that's right. We download most of our movies. What?
2: Pirate Bay? Shout out. Hey, that's illegal, Rob. I have no part of your shenanigans.
0: All right, so what else can we watch next week? Because at this point, I'm leaning
2: towards the leopard. <laughs> Fix it, oh, Fix the it. Leopard. Come up with something else. <laughs> the leopard, baby. Uh, I've given you a few that I think would be awesome. Though, I know they should I be... I swear, uh, she's the prettiest girl at the not dance. No, hold enough. She's, she's Wait, a wonder. Uh, no, uh, no, see, this one would not be good for... Your podcast Alright everybody We're going to watch The Leopard next
0: week We hope you enjoyed (laughs) This podcast of Carnivorous Couch Carnivorous Couch It happens once a week It swallows us For two hours When we try to sleep It forces us To watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With Brady and Rob
1: I think that the character of Pesci in Casino is rat-a-tat-tat, say hello to my big fat bat.
0: Uh, Yeah, 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 I'll go go grin, I'll stick a cock in your grin, yeah. (laughs)